and sheet of metal and nailed them fast. But as he stepped up, a gunshot cracked in the autumn air, which nearly cost him his footing. Steadying himself, Jake took off his glasses as if that would help him hear better. The fire came from either his nephew Zeb's place, which joined him a half mile down the mountain on the northeast, or Ezra Banks's farm, which joined him on the southeast. Four o'clock by the sun. He put his glasses back on. Ezra Banks was Jake's brother-in-law, married 48 years to his sister Hannah. Their oldest son, Zeb, was a quiet man whose lot in life was to live within sight of his father and near his three brothers, none of whom got along. Last night, in fact, Jake had heard Ezra and Zeb return from Big Cataloochee, arguing like a pair of sore-tailed cats. After a minute, another shot carried up the hollow. Grabbing his hammer, he moved the ladder enough to make it list to the right, then rock from side to side until he steadied it. He was about to descend when he heard four more reports. He raised fingers to count. Six shots. One, then silence about the space of a minute, then another, then four in slow but steady succession. These final four came from the same weapon. The fire seemed deliberately paced, like a man on the midway carefully trying to win a cupid doll for his lady. The rung hurt his foot soles, so he shifted them on the ladder. Only noises of birds and breeze now. He pushed the errant piece of sheet metal under its neighbor and nailed both to the sheathing. No one ought to be shooting down there, at least not in such a pattern. Killing a varmint took one shot, two or three at most for a bear. Folks shot into the air Christmas Day, but it was only October. Someone could have been sighting in a rifle, but Ezra was too chinchy to buy a new one, and Zeb was no hunter. Damn, he said. I reckon me and Lily ought to head down that way. As he saddled the mule, he figured the thirty-eight owlhead pistol Ezra kept in his desk drawer likely made the first two shots, but the others were from something else. A rifle, maybe. No cannon like Ezra's ancient fifty-two sharps, but bigger than twenty-two. Or perhaps the breeze twisted and he'd heard six shots from the same weapon. Uneasy business, either way. Hope ain't nobody hurt, he prayed. But if somebody got shot, Lord, let it be Ezra. And Lord Jesus, if it is Ezra, let him be killed dead. Bedridden Ezra Banks would be cause for the whole of little Cataloochee to up and move. Don't reckon even Sis would put up with that. Chapter One Too Worn Out to Cry Ezra Banks sprang from a line of men pretty good at hunting and fishing and gambling and drinking. But at farming they piddled. Tenants Ezra, third son in a brood of seven, knew early he didn't want to share crop. His father farmed ten or twelve hard scrabble acres near Spring Creek in Madison County, North Carolina. The land belonged to Bingham Wright, brother to Jonathan Wright, next county over in Cataloochee. Ezra's father, a bit too old to serve in the Confederate Army, had shown up just after the war started and leased Wright's poorest section. 
Some pasture was so steep a fella needed two breeds of cattle, one with short right legs to stand in one direction and pick the thistle-ridden grass, the other with short left legs to pick going the opposite way. On level ground, they could lean against each other to sleep. In 1864, Ezra looked older than 14, lanky, a bit of beard already, and a badly bent nose. His father had broken it three years before when they moved to the right place. The old man was trying to fix a fence gate. He banged his thumb with the claw hammer and splintered its handle when he flung it at the barn in a rage. He ran to the back porch and yanked a piece from the middle of his wife's stovewood stack and started to whittle a new handle. As he smoothed it with his rusty hawk's bill, the stack dissolved around the missing stick and fell off the porch. He yelled, Get out here, woman, and pick up your goddamn firewood before it rains on it.